let's start at Genesis chapter 1. That'll scare you. <laughs> I was saying to someone the other night um, that I'm not interested in what, what I think, so why should you be? The best thing we can ever do is read out of the Scriptures and all the people said. Just a, a couple of Scriptures to start with, perhaps for some that are newer amongst us. We've got some newer people in our midst and perhaps you're watching online, so I just want to just look at a couple of things here for starters before we look at what I actually want to look at. We'll start in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, and it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And this makes an incredible amount of debate out there in the world. You know, the scientists and the, you know, the, the people that, uh, that want the Big Bang Theory and all that, they, they certainly embrace all of that. Unfortunately, the, the people that consider themselves that Christians that want to be very vocal, don't fight a very good argument on our behalf. It'd be better if they just kept quiet and let the Bible speak for itself. But I just want to, from that thought of everything was created by God, just to come over to chapter 2, oh, sorry, no, verse, verse 26 in the same chapter, and it tells us in, uh, in verse 26 in the same chapter, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion of the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, <coughs> excuse me, which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree, in the which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed, and you should be uh, for meat. And to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good in the evening and the morning with the sixth day. In chapter 2, verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And because amongst the uh, people that consider themselves Christians, they have Adam and Eve as the first people, and we can certainly go into all of that, but we're not going to today. But quite clearly there's there's creation in the first place, and then what we're going to read about in just a moment, a couple of things we can take from here is that uh, different things have been put in place, the creatures have been put in place before them and so on, and they were just dispensed to go and do whatever. And we don't know when that was. We have no time frame from the scriptures about when that was. But if we come into chapter 2 and in verse 7, we read here, The Lord God formed man. It'd be nice if it said formed a man, but it says formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So this person was completely different. Is that a time frame that we can work backwards through the scriptures and get a rough idea about when this might have been? But this man was brought into being from pre-existing material, the earth, the, the, the ground as it was brought forth, we're told that he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul, which I think is quite an important thing to understand that he was different to the others. Go down to verse 15 for time. 
And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden uh, of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. We had a couple of uh, people here a couple of weeks ago and Pastor David and myself spoke to them in the prayer room and one of them asked us this question about what was this fruit. And we were able to share with them that it wasn't about being an apple or anything that the world gives us, but it was about a decision. It ended up being about a decision. And in a lot of ways, that's what I want to look at here today. Just down in verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof, and the rib which the Lord had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And so we can see here, this is a completely different story to the first one. I mean, it's so simple to understand, uh, and yet I do believe like so much in the scriptures that it's by revelation, it's by obedience, it's by receiving the Holy Spirit that we can truly see what's written here in the Word of God. Just to put everything in place, what I want to talk about, we'll read on into chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, gave it to her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them were open, and they knew they were naked. And so everything had changed in this little moment. And what I want to talk about today, I guess, is free will choice. And we talk about free will choice amongst ourselves and when we're talking to new people and so forth and and we tell them that we've got a free will choice and so on. And it's funny sometimes when you stop and you think and you say, I wonder if, and so I looked it up in the Bible and free will choice isn't mentioned in the Bible. It's quite strange. Uh, Free and will only appear together in two verses in the Bible, both in the, New, in the Old Testament and nothing to do with free will choice. And yet the Bible is completely about free will choice from start to finish. Everything we do, I really enjoyed the two, I enjoy all the testimonies, but the two today in particular, they both spoke about choices that were made. Our sister made a choice to leave a high-paying job, come to Adelaide and immerse her things in the work of God And look what happened. Michael made a choice to stay there. He still could have turned around and walked out that night and heard nothing. But he sat down and he listened. And as he did, the Lord was able to work on his heart and to change things. And everything we do hinges around choice, both naturally but most importantly to do with things of the Spirit. 
The, uh, uh, having said that, as I said, the, the, everything, when you stop and you think and you look, everything in the Bible hinges around choice. And I was just thinking of a couple of sort of terms that could be used. We, we read in the New Testament, for example, if ye. So when you say if ye, that's giving you a choice. If you do this or if you don't do this. So if ye is mentioned 149 times. If thou is mentioned 185 times. Choose 58 times and chosen 119 times. And that's just finding, you know, obvious things, but there's almost every verse you could stop at and look at and say, I can either choose to do this or not to do this. And we've got this free will choice that has been given to us. And nothing else in, in God's creation does. You know, everything else does exactly what it was designed to do. And you and I have a choice. I was, I was thinking, uh, you know, that the animals don't change what they're going to eat. You know, there'll be a time when the lion will lay with the lamb and so forth at that time we know when the Lord comes back. But until then, lions hunt, kill and eat. You know, sheep eat grass. They don't change what they do. I mean, Rhonda had a horse which loved ice cream, you know. They'd go, they'd, her and her sister would ride and they'd go past the shop. One would hold the two horses. They'd go and they'd buy three ice creams. One's for her and her sister, the other one for the horse. But the horse didn't make the decision to have the ice cream. It was given to him and he just ate it because it was cold and he liked it. But he would not have been able to go and make a choice to eat an ice cream. Nothing else does. The planets go where they go. Everything happens exactly as God designed it. But we were made in the image of God, fearfully and wonderfully made, and given this incredible thing that we can do, choose to listen to God or not to listen to God. I'll go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. It's a really well-known passage here. Deuteronomy 30 and in verse 14. We read here, But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. And therein, it's making a statement, but it's posing this opportunity to either do it or not to do it. And he goes on and he writes here, in verse 15, See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. And that's straight back to the tree. What was the tree called? The knowledge of good and evil. Verse 16, In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments. Why? That thou must live and multiply and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods or other things and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish, and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land, whither thou passest over Jordan to go and possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou may love the Lord thy God, that thou may obey his voice, that thou might cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land in which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. And he's given us a land called the kingdom of God. 
And when we're born again, of course, we have access to the kingdom of God. Ultimately, there'll be another kingdom, another place for us to be in another form. But until then, as it tells us, and we'll look at it towards the end perhaps in in John 3, that when we're born again, we can see and perceive and understand and enter into the kingdom of God, into his realm, to take part in the work, to be available unto the Lord, to be blessed of him. These are the things that happen because of the choice that we made uh, to be obedient to the word of God. Let's go over to Luke 22. I've just grabbed a few bits and pieces here today to chuck onto a piece of paper, but I'm hoping through it all that all of us uh, will stop and consider the different aspects of our life, the different scriptures we've read this week, the conversations we've been having, consider the choices that we make. You know, some choices are neither here nor there. You know, wheat picks or eggs in the morning. Doesn't matter as long as you have a good breakfast and get on the way. But when the light goes yellow, am I going to stop or go through, is completely different. It can either be costly or catastrophic. And they're just the natural things in our life. And we've got to bring that same sort of thought and mentality to the things of God and to make sure that we do the same sort of things with that. Here in Luke 22, just want to read about some some choices that were made here. In verse 1 it says, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which was called the Passover, and the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. They're planning how to get rid of Jesus Christ, the Son of God that came and brought goodness and mercy and love and hope, and I could stand here for the rest of the day talking about the things that Jesus brought to this earth for those that would listen, and they're seeking to kill him. Verse 3, then entered Satan into Judas, named Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve, and he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. He could have chosen to be like his eleven fellows, that he walked those three and a half years with. He could have uh, chosen to have a completely different representation here in the scriptures. You know, he could have maybe maybe even had one of the gospels that could have been named after him. You know, the gospel according to Judas, if it had made a proper decision. But he covenanted with money and for everything else that was going on in his heart and mind to to betray Jesus and set about doing that. And, of course, this is part of that story, part of the story of Jesus Christ. So we'll go over to Acts chapter 1 and just pick up a few thoughts here. So this is after Jesus has died and risen again. And uh, we don't have a lot of time to stop off any one of these points and just mostly just looking at choices and decisions and how will we choose. And so it says here in verse 3, chapter 1 and verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive, so this is Jesus risen, after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them, as his disciples and so on, forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And just over in verse 8, 
but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the othermost part of the earth. And I was thinking there, you know, we know there are a number of people named a little bit later in this verse as being in the upper room, but just wonder if anybody didn't stay there. You know, were there some people that in the days, the couple of weeks between then and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, did some of them just not stay and move off? Human nature would tell us yes, because that's what people do. But praise the Lord, some of them made a choice and hearkened unto what Jesus said. And we see in chapter 2, in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire that sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so we can see here, this is the culmination and the start, if you like, of a number of choices. God chose in the first place to give us an opportunity. God chose to send Jesus Christ to this earth. Jesus chose to go to the cross for us. You know, he could see the bigger picture and he could understand that this day, even though this particular day was 2,000 years ago, if you're a new person here today, your day can be this day because it's still going and it's still exactly the same. If we just go to um, verse 36, same chapter. At this stage, Peter, who denied the Lord just a few weeks before because he was scared, is now full of power and uh, great strength and understanding and wisdom because he's just been filled with the Holy Spirit. And in an instant, he must have understood the three and a half years he spent with Jesus. Everything Jesus said must have just rushed back into his head and so forth. And so he said quite a lot, but for time in verse 36, he's talking to a crowd that had gathered down there. He said, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And they were able to ponder a decision they made. We're told earlier in this chapter that there were devout people there, people that were were considerate about God and what God would want and these types of things. And so posed with this thing that Peter just said to them, they were able to make a decision, to make a choice. And it says, now when they heard this, this statement, this realisation that they'd asked for the death of Jesus. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do or what must we do? And Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And we can see the New Testament church is off and running. You know, this this time here is close to 2,000 years ago, but the New Testament church was off and running. The same as ours. So we're on the other side of the world, we're half a, half a world away coming south, half a world away heading east, um, and 2,000 years away in time 
but still exactly the same as the one that was filled with the Holy Spirit that day in the upper room. People make a decision for Christ. Well, in a way you do, but it has to be an obedient one according to the word of God. Yes, we decided to do what the scriptures told us to do and praise the Lord the benefits that we have because of that decision. But I guess that goes on. This was the start for them as there was the start for us. And uh, both of the people that gave the testimonies today shared their start and so forth. And you can think about how you started. But as we go on, it's the decisions that we have to make then, the choices that we have to make then. And some of them can just seem so, how could you possibly say that? But we choose to have prayer or not. You know, we either choose to have some prayer or just dash out the door and get on with the day, you know. They're things that we do. We choose to read the scriptures or not, you know, to spend time in the word of God. We choose to speak or not to speak when an opportunity arrives, you know, at work or at school or in the street or wherever it might be. And, you know, that can be nerves and circumstance and situation. But if we can make the choice that we need to make, praise the Lord, let's always do that. We make the choice to fellowship or not, you know, to come here, to be involved with our brothers and sisters and to be involved in the work of the Lord. We make a choice to come to the meeting. Nobody accidentally stays home. It's a plan. <laughs> you know, we do it, we process it and we stay home. Or to go to a house meeting, a prayer night, to camp or an outreach, whatever it might be. But it all really hinges in we choose to be in God's service or we don't. It's as simple as that. You know, we're all very, very happy to take things from God, to be blessed by God, to have our testimony added to, to have healings and victories and all that sort of stuff. And we can never outgive God. It's impossible. But if you imagine a set of scales and what God's given us is on this end, what are we putting on that side? That's what we've got to ask ourselves. That's a choice that we're going to make. Am I putting enough on this side? We'll never make it go like that. It's never going to happen. God's too big, he loves us too much. But we've been called to service. That's what it talks about. To continue the work of Jesus, to continue the work of the early people that spread the gospel and looked after the church and so on. They're the things that we have to do. Let's go to Matthew 6. Just a couple of things, as I say. I just grabbed a few and I'd really love to to think that uh, when you have the opportunity, you'll grab some other ones and think about them, about the choices and so forth. Matthew 6, and we'll start in verse 9. He's talking here about praying and so forth. Some wonderful scriptures through this area as Jesus is talking. Verse 9 says, After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. And of course, you know, most sort of so-called Christians around the world will just parrot fashion that off. But it's the style of way Jesus was talking to his disciples about the type of prayer, the way to pray and so forth. And a talk has been and can be given about just those verses that we read there. But he goes on and he said, which I found very interesting, for if you forgive men their trespasses, this is after he said this, he said in um, in verse uh, 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And in verse 14 he says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, 
your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forget, forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's a choice. You know, someone's going to do you a dirty. If they haven't already, get a number and stand in the queue because it will happen and all the people said. That's life. Even in the Lord, that's life. We're a cross-section of humanity. Hopefully, with some corrective stuff inside of us, the Holy Ghost. But uh, the only reason Jesus could say this and the only reason it's in the epistles and the, and the letters and so forth about these things is because it's going to happen and what choice are we going to make when it does happen. And we've got a clear directive here from the Lord himself. If you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your uh, Father forgive yours. So these are the times when we have to know what our Bible says. We have to pray about what our Bible says. And when these things happen, we have to make the right choices. The choices that Jesus made. He forgave everyone. He didn't do anything wrong and forgave us. Even when other people did it, when he died on the cross, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. You know? And that's, we're supposed to be Christ-like. And we can take that same uh, concept on board, if you like, and look to be that way. Oh, but, but, but where will it go? Colossians. Let's go to Colossians 3. It's a great passage. This is the letter to, the, to this church here. And it poses this question in the opening verse of chapter 3. If ye then be risen with Christ. So we, it's a, a way of asking ourselves, do I believe that I'm risen with Christ? And if that's the case, if then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth, for you are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. And as I've said a number of times, we have to ask ourselves now, make this thing, is Christ our life or in our life? Two completely different things, you know. He can be in our life or he can be our life. And that's purely a choice, the way that we're going to live, the dedication we're going to put to the things that we've been given. How important is our walk in the Lord? Establishing it in the first place and then keeping it at all costs as we go on. And then if that's the case, it goes on in verse 5, mortify or put to death therefore your members. That's not the rest of the people around you, by the way, which would be terrible which are upon the earth. And these old things we used to do, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which are idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked some time when you lived in them. And so it's a given, if you like, the way that, that Paul's writing here, it's a given that that's been taken care of. You know, those things we just read about there, by being born again, have probably been taken care of. But then he says, but now. Okay, so he's, he's established that all that stuff's gone, but now put off all these. And he opens with anger. That's not too bad, is it? Who's never popped a cork? I won't ask for hands because I doubt that anybody could put their hand up that they've never popped a cork. Wrath malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. 
lie not one to another, seeing that you've put off the old man with his deeds and have put on a new man or woman, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And then he makes this next step, put on therefore, because we understand that, this is choices that we can make, things that we have to understand and then choose to do. Put on therefore as the elect of God. What a beautiful thing to say of us. The elect of God. Holy and beloved. Bowels of mercies. This is what we've got to do. I'm not suggesting for a moment we don't. But if we just need to refresh ourselves in these things, or maybe take these things on board for the first time early in our walk, what he's saying here, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And so we get this really good picture about how to, you know, process and to move forward as a Christian. You know, a lot of it comes the moment we're spirit-filled. You know, we get this revelation, this understanding, this change. And then we've got to read the scriptures and allow the spirit and our free will choice to be brought together to do these things. And then he says, and above all these things, so there's the stuff that was taken care of, a couple of passages of things we need to process and put in place, and above all of that, put on charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Very important that we're thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So this is just one passage we've plucked out of the, <coughs> excuse me, out of the epistles. And it's a really enlightening, you know, to just process it and, and go through it slowly and just checklist ourself. Is there something that I can attend to and tidy up? And when you identify something, then it's our free will choice to apply it, to, to move through, to put it in place or to ignore it. It's simple. It's a, it's a wonderful thing that we've been given that choice to apply these things. We'll go to First Timothy, just over a few pages. Just a couple of things to finish on. First Timothy chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 11. These things command and teach. It says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. And this is for all of us, to be an example for the believers. In word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And he writes, as Paul writing, to till I come, he's writing to Timothy. But this is from the Lord too. So till the Lord comes, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. So to give attendance, we have to make a choice to set that time aside and to do that. Neglect not, that's a choice. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, 
which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. Each one of these is a choice. It's incredible how the Lord is able to weave all of this in uh, to the writing for us to read. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine continue in them for in doing this thou shalt surely save thyself and them that hear thee. And really the Lord hasn't made this too hard. He's put the Holy Spirit inside of us. We speak in tongues when we receive the Holy Spirit so that we have this confidence that indeed we've been filled with the Holy Spirit and we're able to go forth from there. We're called to service. We're given all the tools we need and we're called to service, to serve the Lord now until Jesus comes. And then if we go to sleep, praise the Lord, there'll be other people to continue that work until Jesus comes. We'll just probably finish going to Second Peter, chapter 1. And we'll, um, well, I was going to start in verse 8, but we'll read in verse 7 just to give a bit of lead into it. He's writing here that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Are we in the right place? What did I say? <laughs> good. Proofs you're all awake. I could hear the rustle, rustle, rustle. <laughs> That's all good. So we're there now. First Peter, chapter 1, verse 8. I just read, I read verse 7. So now I'll read verse 8. Whom having not seen, you love. That's a choice. You think about it. You've never seen Jesus, but you love him. You love him because of the experience of the Holy Spirit, but you've made a choice to love him. You could have received the Holy Spirit and then walked out the door. More people have than what is sitting here today, and all the people said. What an awful thing that is. Um, where was I? In whom... Thou know you see him not yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Again, choice. Who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. The other day we were answering some questions for a, a sister and that came up about a bit about prophecy and, and, and why it is. And, and God got the prophets to write down all the stuff about what was going to happen, prophesied about Jesus coming and, you know, world events and all those sorts of things. But it shows the power and majesty of God that it was recorded before it all took place. And then it goes on in verse 12, Unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them, that have preached the gospel unto you, with the Holy Ghost set down from, sent down from heaven, which things angels desire to look into. So it starts to give us some of the majesty and the power and the magnitude of what you and I have been invited into. We had no place to be here. We had no rights to be here. We were sinners. We weren't even important in this world. But God saw fit for us to hear the gospel and we made a choice to respond to it. 
And then it tells us in verse 13, verse 13, wherefore, or because of that, make a choice is what it really means. Gird up the loins of your mind, it tells us. Be sober, hope to the end with grace that is brought unto you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And there's so much in the scriptures, and as I say, I'm hoping that from today you'll find bits and pieces, you'll refresh yourself and remind yourself about the choices that you've made to get where you are now, the choices that we need to make to go forward from here in the things of God. And perhaps just go to John 3, I said we would, we'll finish there, just in case there's anybody new in the meetings today or new in the meeting or somebody that's listening online. We read about what they needed to do to be saved back in in Acts chapter 2. But here in John 3, and again I was talking the other night about you know, every scripture is imp- every verse in the Bible is important. But I guess in this day and in this age, it, in the New Testament, John three is really like the major key ring on the whole lot. Everything swivels around John chapter three and whether we are or aren't going to do this. And so we'll just quickly read it. It says, therefore, a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night, said unto him, Rabbi. We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou do, except God be with him. Now, first of all, Nicodemus has made a choice to go and see Jesus. He's done it at night. It might have been after he finished work, but it might have been so he didn't get seen by his peers. You know, that's, but he's made a choice. He has to find this out. That's what we did when we went to our first meeting, when we were spoken to, and we made a choice to go. I mean, you might have been prayed with, by the visitors that came to your house the very first time and received the Spirit then. But for the bulk of us, we go to our first meeting without the Holy Spirit and see it unfold like our brother was sharing with us here today. Jesus answered in verse 3, And said unto him, Verily, verily, of a truth I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now people often say, What's how you interpret that? I don't know how you can interpret it any other way. It's a very clear statement by Jesus. We cannot perceive the kingdom of God unless we're born again. Nicodemus said, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. And praise the Lord, when that was read to me, when it was read to you, amongst other scriptures I'm sure, we made a choice to respond to what it said in the scriptures. We made a choice to proceed forward. We had the same choice, we could argue the point and just walked out the door. Where would our life be now? I'd hate to think where our lives would be now if we made that choice. But praise the Lord, we've made the right choice to walk with the Lord, let's now make all the choices we have to to continue to, and all the people say, Amen.